That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Niagara Moon Losing my opinion All right, take two You're live this time? Oh man, we're having problems today <laughs> We're having problems Take two. That's never happened to us. Never <laughs> never happened to us before in the history of this podcast where we have had to start over. I we mean, we've always... precious, totally discombobulated four and a half minutes. I thought it was gold. I thought it was fool's gold. <laughs> we started talking about There Will Be oh, Blood. Oh, yeah, I still want to talk about There Will Be Blood, but... Uh, uh, let's get out of the way for, for the newcomers here. This is okay. Losing My Opinion, the one, the only very special podcast that you don't know, don't yes. love until you do. <laughs> don't listen to, aren't listening to. <laughs> uh, I am widely, longly renowned indie musician, Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas Irwin. I am shortly hated indie musician, Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo. And on this here podcast, we each have songs that we bring to the table that we want to discuss, we want to share, but the other person has no idea what to expect. And uh, it's just a loosey-goosey good time. Loosey, yeah. Tons of research that we bring in on this show. Just like Sometimes. It's really hard-earned. It depends. We, we actually used to. <laughs> I think people I, like, I still do sometimes. I still do sometimes, too. I think people like it less the more research that we have. It's funny how yeah, that works. Keep, keep telling yourself that. We are, we're recording this uh, just after Easter weekend. Uh, also, mm-hmm. I celebrated uh, Passover with my uh, in-laws recently. Great. At a lovely Seder, and it sounds like uh, you didn't do much, huh? Haven't celebrated yet. We're going to try to do some stuff next weekend. There's a lot of sick people in this house. Tough. Sick, Yeah, sick puppies. But look, we were just, we, we missed this. This was part of the gold that we lost. Freebage! <laughs> Wasn't going to bring that up, but. Daniel uh, Day-Lewis, he's back. He is back. Yeah, well, he's not our. We lost him before. What a great movie that is. I'm glad is. you brought him back. You also did like a really odd Jesse Ventura impression at the beginning. We lost that yeah. too. But look, we were talking about how mostly on this podcast, we show each other stuff. Usually the best we can do is the person's just like, yeah, I like that. That's fine. But we know that they're probably not going to listen to it after the show. So because of my success last week with Country Funk, I'm going to try to be like nicer to you and, and, and try to bring in music that I feel is like, Maybe in, in your wheelhouse, instead of just like thrusting things upon you. I mean, I loved the music from last week. I legit have been listening to all those artists uh, since we last spoke. I, you take it pretty easy on me in general. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but well... I always feel pretty comfortable when I come in here. Well, I don't tend to show you synth pop. You know what I mean? And I know that that's like... What am I, listening in the Human League all the time over here? <laughs> I, I know that it's something you really enjoy. Some of it, sure, uh, yeah. And I and I think that I I'm going to venture more into it. I think, and I'm going to start with somebody today mm-hmm. that I I really hope you don't know them. Okay. If you do, then it's just going to be us enjoying a few songs from somebody you already like. Usually, how it turns uh, out, yeah. Usually, uh, we were talking about French pop, right? And you were saying the first. Yeah, let, let's play that game again. Okay. The, hey, Thomas. <laughs> uh, when you think of French pop, what, who do you think of? Well, 
the first person that comes to mind for me, and I'll say his name again with all the relish I can muster, Serge Gansbourg. It's good. Uh, That's good. Who I'm not a fan of, but for some reason, I got the impression when I was young that he's just like the king of like French rock music. He's the most famous figurehead. Mm-hmm. I never cared for him. Uh, I like his daughter. She's a great actress, but I'm not Charlotte a Serge Gainsbourg yeah. fan. She's awesome. But but uh, that's not who you're uh, speaking of today? No. Not speaking about him. Not talking about Daft Punk. Daft Punk's good. Air is good, as you mentioned. Uh, Air is great. Nor Phoenix. Phoenix is whatever. Uh, I like that one record. Uh, we're talking about an artist today who really follows his own muse. His name's Sebastian Tellier. Do you know who this person is? I do not. Hell yeah. You did Woo! it. All right. Well, now you just have to like it. All right. He's his own thing. I, I really think you're going to like him. His music is funny. It's moving. It's catchy. It's just like alternately light and heavy. And he has this like fun, sleazy, lounge lizard persona. Don't they all? <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, he's working within a type. Wearing a beret, smoking a clove cigarette. Uh, the clove cigarette thing might be true. His music videos are, are hilarious. And it, it kind of comes from that era where like people in the indie world were still consistently making videos that had like a real budget. Uh, is he still yeah, and always directed by like Michel Gondry or Spike Jones, Chris yeah. Cunningham? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like from that from that ethos. So we're talking two thousands. Um, he's yeah. He, I mean, he's, he was doing his thing uh, with, within the two thousands. I mean, the first record I heard from him was I think in like two thousand four or something like that. Uh, and, and I think the first record I really loved from him was called the name of the album is called Sexuality. Ooh la la. The cover is literally him on a on a <laughs> on a horse, like miniaturized, uh, superimposed onto a naked person's body. So uh, gives you a pretty good idea of where his head's at. But my argument today is that due to sheer quality and consistency and artistic merit, Sebastian Tellier deserves to be considered in that conversation when we're thinking of artists that could represent French pop the way that like mm. Air do French pop, like. Daft Punk does. I think he'll actually be more appreciated after he stops making music. He has that hmm. vibe about him. But uh, we're going to start with a tune called Divine. It's it's a little goofy, but it's very well constructed. Uh, it was in the the Eurovision Song Contest, oh, which is boy. just like a wildly foreign concept to American ears. Basically like a high-end American idol with like huge national stakes on the line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, this was the first song I heard from him. It's like really uh, high-end musicality mixed with goofiness. And it just works so well. I like that. Yeah, it works so well. We could watch the, the music video along with the song because I feel like, I know it's not appropriate for our listeners and sorry folks, but... It, it, I, I feel like he, the, the videos and his whole image, like really, it pairs perfectly with, with the music itself. And it's just like, yeah, he's one of those artists that, that has the whole package. He's got the visuals down. Divine. All right. So it's from the Eurovision Song Contest in 2008. Okay. Divine. Does he always sing in France speak or does he sing in English? What's the deal here? France speak. Uh, he kind of pivots back and forth. In French and English, yeah. Sometimes within the same within the same song. So how did you hear about this guy? Because I tried learning about French music once upon a time, 
And uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I feel like there weren't a lot of players representing that uh, that space. He, he's on a record label, or he was on a record label, I don't know if he's still on it, called Lucky Number. And there were a few artists on that label that I was interested in hmm. at the time that I heard this record. <laughs> One of them was called Darwin Dees, who is just like a really weird character. I don't know if he's New York-based, but I, I, I think he was around in Brooklyn at the time that I was like, digging into the work of this label and I saw oh, who's this guy Sebastian Tellier and you know just got lost in the rabbit hole of his music uh, he's got a bunch of great records uh, sexuality is one of them that might be his best but uh, I think this one might get you hooked it, it, it's a good representation of what he does all right He looks like one of those Geico cavemen. Well, none of these guys is actually him. Oh, okay. But this is what he looks like. sampling himself or that's just like some weird Casio keyboard or something it is hard to tell yeah it's like one of those songs where you have to decide whether or not you're going to take it seriously I mean pop is pop if it's fun it's fun yeah it's just like musicality mixed high, high level musicality mixed with goofiness and you know, the changes are like deceptively not simple. Yeah, and, there, and there's the some arrangements in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're to play another song that's sort of in the more serious realm. It's called La Ritournelle. Is this from the same album? No, this is from an earlier record um, called Politics. And he's tackling all the big stuff, huh? Sexuality, it's, politics. It's very funny. He's got another one called Religion. So how seriously does he take himself is, is what I'm trying to figure out here. He's, he's got the, the big beard, the sunglasses, the long hair, but... I don't think very, <laughs> okay. because he... It doesn't seem like it. He's just the right amount of goofy. How do you pronounce this again? I mean, La I don't know. Ritornelle. Ritornelle. So Tony Allen plays drums on this song. Okay. Right. Got Fela Cootie's band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This song has like that Fatboy Slim 
her chemical brother's sensibility, you know? It's pretty Radiohead, too. Sure. French Radiohead. And Tony Allen is just one of the best. The good, the bad, and the queen. Yeah, I like this one more. Listen to this bass liner. Very cool. It's just so cinematic. Is he a one-man band type of deal? Yeah. It's really in the weeds with the, the arrangements and the keyboards and everything. Yeah, he gets all up and stuff. It's pretty chic. Oh yeah, this song is like, for me, it's like a a bridge from like late '90s into the 2000s. Like it, it has that like Fat Boy Slim or Chemical Brothers type thing going on. Big beat, but it's also like way orchestrated. Yeah, what year is this one from? Uh, I believe this is 2004. Mm. Politics. Good stuff. All right, you're, you're two for two. Okay. Uh, I'm going to play you one more. This is another more serious one. Uh, it's called <laughs> L'Amour et la Violence. The love I'm sure and the violence. Everything. You got it all right there. This is another massive and dramatic tune. This song is actually used a lot in like movies and TV shows. I think he does well with like syncs because of how mm. like big and cinematic the music is. This music video is directed by Roman Coppola. There you go. Um, he's got a lot of famous fans. You know, uh, the, the guy from Daft Punk, um, so not Thomas Bangalter, the other guy. The other guy in the I'm helmet. His name. The other dude in the helmet. He produced um, the record Sexuality. Hmm. So they're definitely, their careers are entwined. Uh, he also has worked with Air before. So he's yeah, like, they're all you know, tangled up together over there in Pelly. <laughs> One knotted mess. Yeah. Sexy boy. Love that song and that record. L'amour et la violence. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to fast forward again. All right. To where? Uh, let me just bring up the video and I'll be able to tell you. I got to eyeball it. Eyeball it. That'd be a pretty lame reality show. <laughs> Just dudes trying to guess where songs get interesting. You gotta eyeball it. Uh, ITM. A minute and 45 seconds. Bro, look at, no, look at the waveform. <laughs> look how big it gets around the two minute mark. I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean, we, we all do that all the time. 
we all, we're all looking at waveforms over here. I do know somebody who got the waveform of the uh, Amen break, that famous drum break that's sampled so often. They got the waveform of it uh, tattooed on their arm. That's kind of cool. I, I I respect that. It's pretty unique, yeah. Yeah, good story too. You say you had it on his lower back? No, 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 on, on somewhere in the forearm, if I remember oh, okay. right. Uh, so you done eyeballing it? I'm, I'm, I haven't seen it. It's not oh. up. I thought you were going to put it up. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm eyeballing you right now. You're waiting for me. Yeah. Well, right now I'm watching a TurboTax ad, so hold your horses. I see. <laughs> we're just <laughs> limping through this. <laughs> it's staying in, I tell you. <laughs> oh, this is our finest episode. So what happens uh, when you wait say, till Tuesday? <laughs> I would say go like two and a half minutes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to bring you the drama. Wait, I'll go back like 30 seconds. Go forward. Yeah. Go back. Here it is. Here it is. Costs like sixty thousand dollars. I'm eyeballing it. <laughs> Does this have a big drop? Uh, I think it just kind of builds. Doesn't turn into dubstep. Does not turn into dubstep. No. Yeah, cinematic. That's a good word for for it. This video is a little more modest than the other ones. I'm just looking at his crack wall. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is a more serious song, you know. Yeah, I wonder why I never heard of this guy. I feel like you would have. I, this is kind of like he floats around your world. Let's maybe. play play one more song. All right, uh, just a, we'll do one more song. Yeah, maybe it's just something about the. I never would remember how to spell Sebastian, and you got the Oxante goo in there, and it's game over. Just <laughs> totally don't remember. Uh, wait, what's, what last song should I play here? Uh, it's called Look. This tune is from that sexuality record that we were talking about. Do you need to eyeball this one, too? No, nah, you just start it. No eyeballing required. <laughs> 
No eyeballing necessary. You're gonna have to edit the fuck out of this episode. <laughs> It'd be like Swiss cheese. <laughs> All right, so this is uh, Sebastian Tellier's look. Uh huh. Great video. I don't think you have to say look like that, but yeah. Look. Sure. Uh, and uh, let's. Uh, sorry, right, so this is the fourth and final pick. I like this guy. Mm-hmm. I think I'll I'll definitely download a couple of his albums later. He's fun. He's real fun. Good party music. Absolutely. I don't have parties anymore. But if you, if you had parties, yeah. Feels a little like gorillas. Sure. cut from a similar cloth good stuff it's nice yeah i think this strange man deserves to be in the conversation of truly great french pop ambassadors that's my argument yeah. for today that's all i'll take it's that modest yeah it's modest but it's a victory modest mouse all right thomas what have you been listening to this week in my opinion been listening to some pretty good stuff thank you for asking no problem. So we're recording this uh, right after, you know, Easter weekend, as uh, we alluded to before. Yeah, you're going to bring in an Easter-themed band? Well, you know, this time of year did have me thinking a little bit about the reason for the season. Jesus Christ. You know, old old JC over there. Okay. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. But just quickly, I also had thoughts on the bunny. You know, your daughter's getting a little older. Has she met the Easter bunny yet? No, she has not. No. So maybe you don't know this yet or not. I certainly don't. But are they still doing the Meet the Easter Bunny thing, like in malls? and? Yeah, I think that still goes on. Yeah. Isn't everybody, I guess this is a cliche by now, but everybody's kind of terrified of the Easter Bunny at first, right? Oh, that's horrifying. Yeah. No, I mean, Santa's scary enough. And like, that's just a guy, not like a giant animal. I think I think kids are mostly cool with Santa. And I think the reason is because you can see his face. 
Mm-hmm. So really what I'm advocating for is we got to get the masks off of these bunnies. I think you got to see that the face, it's better than... So you would rather have, uh, instead of just a <laughs> fully, uh, like a huge rabbit, you'd rather have a huge rabbit but with the face of a man. You want to see the humanity. You know, kids, what kids okay. get scared of, even if it's a well-designed costume, a lot of the time it's not. Right. But even if it's well-designed, okay. those dead plastic eyes... Yeah. And I think kids know there's a face behind those eyes that they can't see. And that's what's so terrifying. And I th- your solution is like to, to present them with like a chimera in the place of just the person in a bunny suit. I think if you could see the person's face or you just change the Easter bunny getup so that it's not like a Mickey Mouse costume, I think you'd okay. have less traumatized children. But just a theory. Right. I don't know if this is, yeah, I don't know. You're not going with me on that, that, huh? We, we should just keep the, no. keep the bunny... The bunny heads on. Keep the children crying. That's what you're. Keep the keep, yeah. Keep them crying because it's at least it's just like you know. I think it's more manageable kind of trauma than a a rabbit with the face of a man. How about this? I think we should then maybe standardize the bunnies. There's too many different designs. Kids like okay. Kids aren't scared of Mickey Mouse because they've met Mickey before on the TV and it looks right. the same in person. Well, what if it were Bugs Bunny or some ubiquitous bunny? And that, yeah. that's our Easter bunny, as opposed to all these different bunnies floating around I'll, out I'll take that, sure. If we can yeah. just change it to, to Bugs Bunny, maybe, okay. maybe that. that, that I'll get behind that. that. Is that your argument for No, this week? I want to talk about Christian music. Oh, whoa, okay. Yeah. Are you going to try to convert me in this episode? <laughs> Are you going to talk about Jesus? Well, what, for the what got me thinking about it, besides you know it having just been Easter... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talked about country music last episode, and you really got me into sure. it. You know, it's not a genre I would necessarily think I'm a fan of. Um, what's that cliche? Oh, what kind of music do you like? Oh, I like everything except country. Or they might say, I might like. Yeah. I like everything except country and rap. Um, and I bet if you ask that person, well, what about Christian music? They probably lump that in there too. Oh, I wouldn't listen to Christian music. Right. Doesn't it? I don't know. Like. I'm I'm almost 30 years old. I feel like I've hardly ever been exposed to any Christian music. And so it's largely a genre I know nothing about. Uh, what I did not do for this week could be its, its own episode in the future, but what today is not is I didn't just Google best Christian music and look for tracks and see if I like anything that's presented <laughs> to me as like represent representative of that genre. You're giving, you're giving away our, our trade secrets no, here. No, well, that's not what I did. Anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, what I did is I'm sitting on a few songs here. Been sitting on them a while. These are songs I love, and I couldn't really figure out how to bring them on the show or really kind of talk about them or connect the dots until now where I'm wondering, does loving these songs mean I can say that I like Christian music? The same way you got me saying last week that I like country now. Mm. I don't when know. When I say I like country, I can think of specific songs now that I can point to say, this is this yeah. is the kind of country I like. I don't know where you draw that line and say, I like this genre, yeah. as opposed to these are the exceptions that prove the rule kind of situation. It's a big question. Um, yeah. We're not going to get a lot of answers here today. Uh, neither Never do. <laughs> neither of us are exactly uh, theologians here, although I think we've both, uh, if I'm remembering right, you know, we've both spent fair amount of time uh, in churches, but I have never traditionally thought of Christian music as something that's going to appeal to me. They're not reviewing it over in Pitchfork or what have you. They're not? Are they? (laughs) Uh, But I got some songs here today. The question of whether or not they even count as Christian, it's a little dubious with the first two. 
we okay. can kind of we can explore that as well. But definitely the last one, I, it's going to kick your ass. These these some great tunes today. I'll be I'll be curious what your reaction is. Are these Christian? You said they're Christian songs. Are they Christian artists? Or are we? Are we is this like Johnny Cash doing Jesus music? Like, because I, I think that's a big distinction. The first two are not particularly. I don't think the first thing that would pop in your head is Christian artist, but well, we'll get into it. Let's, let's go step by step here, song by song. Okay. So the first song I want to share, I love this song. Ever since I first heard it on a Netflix show called Midnight Mass. If anybody wants to check it out, it's an awesome show. Just make sure you can handle uh, a dramatic show that occasionally has very disturbing, horrific moments. I guess it, technically you call it horror, but it's just- Like our podcast. <laughs> Cue the, the Scott Walker music. <clears throat> Neil Diamond. So a recurring thing in the show is uh, several of Neil Diamond's songs. And that the setting is an island where everybody's Catholic. It's like it's a very, you know, strongly religious community. Uh, the older couple of residents of the island, the main character's parents, they keep pulling out Neil Diamond albums. He's like a go-to favorite of theirs. I thought Neil Diamond was Jewish. He is, but... Um, he also doesn't play baseball and somehow he, Sweet Caroline is like the, the anthem of the Red Sox somehow. How'd that happen? True. Fair enough. Yeah. They called him the Jewish Elvis. I just, I wonder, I hear this song. It's called, uh, Holly Holy. It's got organ. I don't know. The guy also has songs like Brother Love's Salvation Show. Do you know that one? That's another fucking banger. <laughs> I've not heard that one, but it's so strange you're talking about. I put up an Instagram story today. Uh-huh. With Neil Diamond, Solitary Man. Yeah, you you say that's your favorite. I still got to check out that one. Love that song. Love that song. It's just weird that that's it's coinciding. I'll put it on my list. Yeah, but Neil Diamond, I don't know. I feel like there's some, because it's not just that song. It's not just the two songs. I feel like there's a little thing for a while. He's kind of flirted. I don't know. Maybe he could just say he's inspired by gospel music. But I don't know. I'm kind of like, eh, eh, does this kind of count as Christian music, where do you draw the line? You got the organ, you got the... Oh, man, I don't know. This is thin. This, this is, is thick thin, cause, okay. Cause he's it's going to get like... thicker. We're, we're starting on the most uh, <laughs> I th- <laughs> dubious of, of grounds here. I thought you were going to be bringing in like uh, like a Christian rock band or something. Like one of those bands that like they're selling on MSG and you've not heard of them because they're... Sure, I, I didn't show. comb through Newsboys' early albums. That, we could do that on a different <laughs> show. I'm, 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 I'm reverse engineering this. Okay, is this song about Jesus? Like, is it, or is it just have a gospel vibe to it? I don't know. You tell me. I just, you know, I remember my time in Sunday school. I feel like they could have pulled this one out in Sunday school. It wouldn't have been out of place. That's all. Okay. Uh, but I wonder if you know the song. I wonder if you like it. And uh, I don't know. There. What is that definition? Secular, non-secular? This would be uh, this would be non secular according to you. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet Caroline. Oh oh oh. Yeah. I bet you think that song low key slaps. Um, I mean, it's it would be hard to argue that it's not a very well written song. I mean, jeez. How come you didn't uh, bring that up when we were talking about sports songs? Because it's not about sports. He's just talking about a girl. It's not, <laughs> it doesn't count. It's good enough for Fenway Park. Yeah, well, sports songs was like, you know, you got to be, you know, John Fogarty was talking about Hit like- somebody. Yeah, right, exactly. Getting on second base or catching a ball or whatever, like, you know. All right, Neil Diamond, everybody. Holly Holy, 1969, let's do it. 
he's saying, but it sounds churchy to me. <laughs> this is a great song. It is so not and churchy. He does love the organ, yeah. Love it when he belts like that. So, you think I'm nuts? That's ridiculous. That's a great song. That is a song about Neil Diamond, uh, I don't know, being in love with a shiksa. Like, I, <laughs> it's nothing, that is not, I would not call that a Christian song. I think he is adopting those elements. I think he kind of does that a lot. I mean, even those other songs we were talking about, like, there are elements of what you might refer to as church music in those songs. I mean, he just kind of does that. But, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I would not say that you enjoying that song qualifies you as a fan of Christian music. Certainly. All right. Well, let's let's go on to uh, song two here. Okay. By Blair. You ever heard of Judy Sill? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very esoteric songwriter. How long you known uh, Judy Sill? Because I I had never heard of her until uh, we put out that uh, episode about Karen Dalton and. Uh, a fan recommended I check out Judy Sill next. A similar, like, kind of forgotten, underappreciated, uh, you know, female artist from the 60s, 70s. She was probably maybe a little more appreciated than Karen Dalton. Yeah, Karen Dalton is just, it was, career was not great. Uh, but I, I think she was appreciated at least by, like, those in the know around her, like your, you know, your Graham Nash's, your Joni Mitchell's. Like, I think people... Uh, around her were aware of what she could do. You know, Frank Zappa, like I know she had a lot of uh, supporters at that time. She was uh, David Geffen's first signing to Asylum Records. And that's huge. And yeah. So she blew that. I mean, she she had a rough, rough go. She had a lot of tragedy in her life. Uh, yeah. A pretty dark end. But a couple of beautiful albums uh, in the early 70s. Been uh, jamming out to... This, Judy Sill, 1971. We're going to hear a song from that in a moment, but Heart Food, that's mm. also an excellent album. Yeah, I think people are definitely rediscovering her more and more. But she grew up in a religious household, uh, like all her life, kind of religious themes kind of found their, their way into her art in various degrees. She's got a song called Jesus Was a Crossmaker. You familiar with that sure. one? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, yeah, I, I yeah. I could see that this would be in that category. Uh, it's it's not an artist who is like a Christian artist, like in the sense that like I don't know, I don't even know any Christian. Like you know the 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 artist we were referring to earlier. I, I don't think she necessarily fits in that category, but uh, this is indeed a Christian themed song. All right, so more uh, non secular music. That's right. I'm losing my opinion here. We got Jesus was a crossmaker. Beautiful, beautiful tune. 
Um, yeah, I think it's maybe an interesting point. Again, we're, we're both not super qualified to speak on this, but I feel like even though she might, you know, be exploring these themes or knowledgeable, you know, has the Christian background, probably at the time, it's not like, you know, the religious community was embracing rock and roll from Asylum Records either. So you're kind of in an interesting middle ground there. Yeah, no, I don't think she's has been embraced in that way by that community. She's being embraced by the indie community, though, and that's very cool. All right, this song kicks ass. Let's go. Sweet silver angels over the sea. Please come down, fly and low. It's a crucifix in her uh, album cover here. <laughs> there is indeed, yeah. One time I trusted a stranger because I heard his sweet song. And it was gently enticing me, though there was something wrong. But when I turned, he was gone. Great stuff. She also, she's one of those people that makes you realize like, like Californians used to talk different. Like there's just an accent <laughs> from the 70s that just doesn't exist anymore. BM, <laughs> like the kind of person sure. who says yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mondays, I work on Mondays and Fridays. Yeah, it is. It, it, you're right. Yeah, you hear it in the, the records of that era. I wonder what it means. That's a great album, that whole record. Yeah, Judy Sill. I say, all right, maybe if we can't quite say Christian music there either, I say non-secular. You're still fully out of your mind with this argument and the songs you're bringing in. But you know, these are both great songs so far, so I, I, I can't complain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have a, a lovely acquaintance who works in the uh, Episcopal Church. Maybe I should have brought them on <laughs> to get some actual authority in here. But <laughs> Like real Christian music? Out on a limb yeah. here. But uh, no, my ace in the hole, this third song, this is undeniably Christian music. Okay. I learned about this man not too long ago. He kicks ass. He is widely recognized as a pioneer of Christian rock music. Uh, his name is Larry Norman. Never heard of him, have you? No. I I never knew about him until I watched season two of Righteous Gemstones. Again, another show, you know, okay. with a religious setting. Uh, it's about a televangelist family. <laughs> Excellent show. Just Danny McBride, genius, yeah. all around. Yeah. Uh, oh my God, so funny. But Larry Norman, uh, so he is a pioneering Christian rock musician. Uh, his first album, Upon This Rock, 1969. 
And uh, apparently in his lifetime, he released like a hundred albums, but I guess a lot of that was like live albums and compilations or whatever, but just legend that I'd never heard about uh, until recently. I checked out the the full album that this song I'm about to show you is from. A lot of it was pretty good. It apparently was called at the time like the Sgt. Peppers of... Uh, Christian music. Uh, <laughs> That's big. I recommend it. It's it's not all the tracks are winners, but it's it's got a, a bop to it. I don't I don't want to tease this along any further. Let's listen to uh, sweet song. I'm sorry, sweet sweet song of salvation. Okay, what year is this from again? Sixty nine. Larry Norman, sweet sweet song of salvation. Sweet sweet Caroline. Sounds like he's having a good time. Yeah. He's all shredded. On this one. Oh, I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's just really fun. It's like actually rock. That vocal is like uh, Cookie Monster. Good comparison. Do that little organ interruption here. Right away, he hits that note. He really goes for it. That's great too. That's from the Sgt. Pepper one you were talking about? Yeah, that's from uh, his debut album, Upon This Rock. Apparently, Cardinal Pepper? Apparently, he spent all his like Capitol Records royalties on like making that. Why, you didn't like that joke at all? Oh, I, sorry, it's, I got stuck in talk, listening to myself. What did you say? I said Cardinal Pepper, but you know. Cardinal Pepper. Uh, you I do like that. I should have been <laughs> listening carefully. Steamrolling over you. Apparently he like spent all the Capitol Records uh, royalties on like building a like a halfway house and uh, oh wow yeah just like feeding and clothing several people like it's a pretty cool dude uh, sounds like a cool guy a great voice I love his voice I love that clearly that was like the end of the day like they had done a bunch of takes before that uh, I love that it's he's all shredded and I, I think they saved that song for the end of the session yeah yeah that's his twist and shout so. All right, maybe I can't quite say yet that 
No, you can't. That, I think I can just, say I'm a Larry Norman fan. Yeah, you like Larry at Norman. This point. I think that's what we established from today is that you like Larry Norman. Yeah. I do. And I like Judy Sill and apparently Neil Diamond. I never thought I'd... Sweet Caroline just soured me for so long. But. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. But he, he also wrote a lot of songs for other people that are great, too. And often he has versions of those songs that did well. There's a song called A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You that he wrote for the Monkees. And uh, his version's just great. And it's a good song. Well, dare I ask <laughs> what we what learned, we learned? Today? Jeez, I don't know. Hit record when the podcast starts. Uh, uh, don't record on a Tuesday. Don't record on a Tuesday night. Probably the bigger lesson. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like you kind of liked Sebastian Tellier. I think you, you should check yeah, him out. I'll, I mean, uh, I learned uh, about Sebastian Tellier, another another French figure. There, there's very few that I'm aware of. Uh, but now that he's on my radar, I think I'm going to dig in further. Do it. Check out sexuality, politics, taxes. Get <laughs> death. Yeah. Euthanasia. Yeah. <laughs> right. He has a record called La Dult, where he envisions himself, I think, like growing up in Brazil or something. And it has like um, uh, 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 Brazilian influences in it, like in the, in the musicality. And it's just uh, really, he's a strange guy. He does a lot of interesting things. He's got a strange look. <laughs> he does. It's good. He makes it work. Again, guy cocaine. Yeah, man. the guy cocaine man look. Well, what, what did you learn again? I don't know. I, I guess Larry Norman is, is good. He's got a great voice and he's fun. I like that. I already like Judy Sills. So I didn't learn anything there. Um, maybe I learned that you are very unaware of what Christian <laughs> <laughs> pop and rock sound like. Um, I would challenge you to come back to this at some point with artists who are because you cheated with the first two. Cheated. I think if you if you found artists that are like squarely in the realm of church music, and you said oh, I dig this, we could say yeah. And you can't okay. pick Sam Cooke and the Soulsters because we both know. That yeah, that's, that's, that's. I was thinking like you know Al Green is literally a pastor, but right. does he sing about religious well, themes? He does. He does. He has uh, many religious uh, themed records, but. Um, yeah, it just doesn't count if it's somebody that sort of transcended it, went to a different direction, and got into pop. I don't think we can count it. But hey, you know, we're going to be back next week. The party doesn't stop. And if you did like this episode of Losing My Opinion, go ahead and uh, leave a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. Subscribe so you never miss any future episodes. Mm. You can follow the podcast uh, at Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. And... Uh, Okay, well, the easier version of my argument, all three songs today, I say Neil Diamond, non-secular. And I could be wrong now. Yeah, but I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I think you're wrong on, the, on that one. I think you're pretty, pretty clearly wrong. Uh, I think your argument today was you brought in three good songs. And that's fine. You know, sometimes it's just good music. I'm going to look up Easter Bunny music. <laughs> yeah, Easter themed, Easter Bunny themed music, yeah. And I'll say, uh, listen to Sebastian Tellier and uh, so long, suckers. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.